Accepting generosity from men. Why is this something that's so hard? Why is it that I am constantly getting messages from well-intended women saying things along the lines of, I really want to change the way that I date. I've accepted crumbs for far too long, but I'm scared that if I accept money or gifts from men, then I'm going to have to owe them something. This word owe is something that we're going to need to focus on in this conversation. Because I do think it's really important that we discuss the expectations men have of us versus the expectations we have of men alongside the expectations we have of ourselves in relation to men and what we assume their expectations are of us. Because when we're talking about this fear of accepting things from men, I understand the fear. I can see how you'd get to a place where you feel this sense of anxiety about being in a position where someone has done something for you and you're left with a ball in your court. Sometimes a ball being thrown in your court isn't a bad thing. And I think women have a harder time accepting generosity, support, or even help than men do. I wonder why that is. Hmm, what could the reason be? Well, it's pretty obvious that the reason is men have been socialized to generally feel entitled to women's labor. The women men have been raised around often take on the form of being the help, whether that's the sister coddling the man, whether that's the mother coddling the man. Usually most men are reared in communities where women are witnessed being in service to men and that behavior and that dynamic is reinforced by religion, culture, and general norms and etiquette of society. So it's no surprise that men are in a position where they usually expect women to do things for them. But observing the way women are placed in society and why we have such an issue with receiving, it's no surprise that we have been raised to raise other people. Whether you've had brothers, or you've lived in a house where there are men. Even aside from that, just occupying space in a society where men also exist, you do notice that there are particular ways of being that are normalized. So as someone who is the firstborn daughter, my whole life, all I've known is being the oldest daughter. And I was raised in a household with two younger brothers. So... It was interesting observing the ways that we were raised differently. I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised by anything I'm saying in terms of my upbringing involving me being the one who was assigned majority of the household labour amongst my siblings. Until a certain point, because I did have my mini revolt. 
I remember being like 10, 11 years old and I used to constantly ask my mum, why am I the only one out of three of us who has to wash the plates? And her answer would always be because you're a girl. And I was just never satisfied by the answer. It didn't make sense to me that because you're a girl was a response to you need to wash the plates. So when I kept on asking her, but what do you mean by because you're a girl? I think she just didn't really know what to say. So eventually it got to a stage where three of us were on a rotor of washing plates. And that was a mini victory. I think that was my first mini activist achievement. Very proud of that. <laughs> but aside from that, the world coddles men and the world criticizes women. The world makes men feel very comfortable about demanding things from women. Emotional labor is the main one. So that's catering to men's mental and emotional well-being, even at your own detriment. But then I'm also seeing that women are also expected to financially help men out of situations. And this one is always going to be a trigger point for me because you already know how I feel about men and money. And when we dive deeper into that, you know how I feel about women feeling obliged to financially support men who cannot support themselves. Obviously, there is nuance, right? Like if you went to a refugee camp and you met men who shared their story with you and it's evident that they're having an awful time and they're displaced and they have left their homeland to escape war and now they're suffering, you giving that man money to support himself is very different to you giving money to a guy who has approached you in the street trying to date you and you feel this sense of like guilt and passive emotional coercion to help this man with his rent even though he's the one who wants to finger you and press your breast like there are two very different scenarios here I am in full support of helping displaced and homeless and when I say homeless I'm talking about living on the street guys I'm not talking about homeless as in this guy is couch surfing through women's houses I'm talking actual homeless like not having a home not having anywhere to sleep for the night like you giving your 20 pounds 40 pounds and never seeing that person again is very different to you being in this place where you feel like you have to be financially responsible for some guy who fancies you so I hope that that sets the context and the scene for what we're going to be diving into today in the conversation of accepting generosity from men, mm -hmm, because it does take some mental training. And I don't expect everybody to be on the same page as me because it took me a while to get to this page. It takes a while because it's a big fucking fat book. <laughs> it's a lot of pages to read, a lot of pages of self ways that I used to practice and desensitize myself from this glaring anxiety of accepting generosity from men and this might be a huge leap for a lot of people but I used to and still do but in the early days of my journey let's say I'm walking behind a man and maybe like I'm five meters behind him 
and he holds the door open and he notices that I'm walking behind him. Of course, the gentlemanly thing to do would be for him to hold the door open for me, right? Yes, as he should. Old me who was still in my conditioning of feeling bad and feeling like an inconvenience would do that. It's such a British thing, but I'll do that British thing where like a man holds a door open for you and then you start to do this little jog, a hippity hop, if you will, so that they won't be left holding that door for too long because you don't want to be an inconvenience for them. You're like, oh, thank you. And then you just carry on going because it's like, oh, I feel really awkward about you holding this door open for me. Like you're doing it because you kind of low-key should, but then, you know, I feel like an inconvenience. No! No. When men hold the door open for you, practice walking at the same pace you are walking at. Practice, slow it down. I know that time feels like it's frozen when you're doing that. And I know you must feel like a sociopath. Like, oh my God, he must think I'm a bad person. No, he doesn't. He probably will think you're very sexy and you're not doing it for him to think you're sexy, but it's just the idea of accepting that, yeah, I deserve to have this door held open for me because I'm a queen. Like, what if I'm a naturally slow walker? What, are you going to be angry at me for walking slow? You've chosen to hold the door open for me because you should. Obviously, there's nuance, right? Like, let's say you are both in a hurry to go somewhere. Maybe you're in a train station or you're in an environment where t it's time sensitive, of course, like a hippity hop is fine, you know, or just like slightly imp increasing your pace is fine. But you know what I'm saying? There's been, there's, there's always going to be an opportunity for you to practice this, what I'm talking about, where you can just maintain your pace of walking. And when you get close to him, you look him in the eyes and you say, thank you. For some, for some extra razzle dazzle, you could even throw, throw, Sprinkle in a, have a nice day and smile with your teeth. Ah! <laughs> I did this the other day. I did this the other day at my gym. Um, I And it was actually the gym where I live. And I wasn't intending to flirt. I was just having one of those days where it's like, nobody's rushing me to do anything. So it was an identical scenario to what I just described where this guy was walking like five, six meters ahead of me. He opened the door and he noticed that I was walking behind. Obviously, we're going to the same place. So he held the door open. And I continued walking at the same pace I was walking at when he noticed that I was walking. And then he just stood there holding the door. And I think because he's not used to that, like he's, he's, most people are used to women just like running through the door that's held open for them. That when a woman maintains her pace, it is very sexy because it's like, oh, she knows she got good pussy. <laughs> like, she knows she's fire. So when I did that, I looked him in the eyes. I said, thank you. He was like, have a good session. I said, have a nice evening. And then it, there was one more thing he said to me. It wasn't anything memorable, but... I could tell that he was very happy to have held that door open. And I looked good. Okay, I was in my little booty shorts. <laughs> Holding my water bottle and my resistance band. Okay, I didn't come to play. Thank you, thank you. But that's one of the ways that I practice accepting generosity from men. Acting like you're worth it. It's one thing repeating to yourself, I'm worth it, I deserve it. And it's another thing acting like it. 
I think it's easier to tell yourself that you're worth it and you deserve it than it is to actually put that belief into action. Because a lot of us be feeling bad for no reason. Like, if you feel bad about, you know, accepting a guy holding the door open for you, you might not be ready for the lifestyle you want. And that's okay. In this life, it's turn by turn, it's stage by stage, okay? You let every stage play its role in your life. You can't just transform overnight. Because if you transform overnight, you've rushed the process. You've rushed the process and you will miss out on key stages that matter in your developmental transformation as a woman who is changing the way that she sees herself and applying that change to her dating life. All this stuff is very key. I feel like I'm teaching a lecture. <laughs> like, key stage five. Do you guys remember in, if you went to primary school in the UK, then you know there's like key stage one, key stage two, key stage three, key stage four, key stage five. <laughs> I guess we must be in key stage 32 at this point because we're adults now. But what I'm saying is, the fear of being an inconvenience to men is null and void because men don't fear being an inconvenience to us and they literally take our lives. They literally kill us. They literally stalk us. They are literally the reason why we can't go for a walk at 11 at night. But we're the ones who are scared of inconveniencing them by having needs. We're the ones who are scared of inconveniencing them by walking slowly. So... Another way that I enjoy teaching myself to accept generosity. And this is one of them ones where it's like, don't start shit you can't finish, sir. But this is like when a man offers to carry my bag, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you this bag. <laughs> I w obviously, granted, it's a man I trust. Like the context matters. Okay, context is always key here. If you're walking down the street and a stranger has come up to you to help you with your bag, like, obviously, that's a decision that you have to be very discerning when making. But if it's a guy that you already know and you somewhat trust, then we can proceed to the next stage, which is giving him your bag to carry for you. Let's say you, um, I don't know, you've met up with him and you're both walking somewhere to go have a chat and he offers to carry your bag. Let him carry the bag. Be like, oh, thank you. That's so kind of you. Give him the bag. My thing is... Unless you have chopped billet full, yeah? Unless, you, unless you've eaten that day. Don't, don't ask me if you can carry my bag for me. Because nine times out of ten, I'm carrying my pleasers in my bag. Do you know what pleasers are? Pleasers are the heels that pole dancers and strippers wear. Originally, strippers wore those heels because they elongate your feet and they give you advantaged heights when dancing on the pole so these shoes usually range from seven inches to ten inches in heel height I prefer to wear eight inch heels sometimes if I'm really feeling cheeky I might throw in a nine inch in my bag yeah yeah so most times I've got my pole dancing shoes in my bag and they they're really heavy because the heel is made of this like solid acrylic. 
aside from that, I've also got my pole clothes. I've got a bottle of water. Sometimes I might have my iPad in my bag. So the bag, the bag is not light. So I've seen it happen quite a few times where a guy will kindly offer to help me carry my bag. <laughs> and then he will take the bag without even engaging his core. And I just see the hoop. And obviously he's trying to not show in his face that this bag is defeating him because toxic masculinity. But I always see it and I'm like, well, that's your own. Okay. You'll be fine. You got you got this champ. I believe in you. <laughs> I find that hilarious because it's like there's a technique to holding these bags, okay? Like I use one of those bags that's like a hold all luggage style bag. And what I do is I instead of using the sh the long shoulder strap that's adjustable that you can use to just like sling it onto your shoulder, I actually force the both handles onto my shoulder. So I carry that luggage bag like it's a literal handbag, like tucked under my armpit. And that actually offsets the weight. Also, I'm quite strong. And that's the reason why my right arm is like bigger than my, I don't know if you can see it, but this is my right arm. And it's like bigger than my left arm. My right arm is like my main arm that I use to carry myself when I pole dance. So it's always laughable when a guy offers to carry my bag and my bag ends up being too heavy for him. And it's like, hmm. Would you look at that? It's not shame. Like, I don't look at that man and feel like he's less of a man because he wasn't prepared to carry a bag that heavy that day. But it's just interesting because I don't alleviate that um, burden. I'm not like, oh, is it too heavy for you? Don't worry, I'll take it then. Because men don't like that. Like, <laughs> if they've offered to help you and what they've offered to help you on is a little bit, like, they're kind of struggling a little bit. They don't want you to know that they're struggling. <laughs> and it's like, well, oh, this this bag is heavy for you. Imagine how heavy patriarchy is. <laughs> and I have to live through that every day. You only have to carry this bag for all of five minutes. You'll be fine. I'll leave you to it. Yes. <laughs> While we are here, I would love to first of all thank you. For being a listener of the Slumflower Hour podcast, if you are new here, you're in for it. I don't think you know what you've signed yourself up for. And I love that for you. Because round here, we get up to some very disobedient activities. In fact, the strapline slash description of the, the Slumflower Hour podcast is a podcast for disobedient women who date men. Yes, because I do believe it requires a level of disobedience to date men in a way that's going to actually benefit you and make you feel good. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't just end there. I have a Patreon. Yes, I do. If you're not aware, Patreon is a subscription-based service where creators like myself can host exclusive content that people can pay monthly for, ad-free, and at their convenience. So, you might be wondering, well, Chidera, Slumflower, Goddess Gina, if you will, what's on your Patreon? <laughs> I'll start with my favourite part of the Patreon being, I have a 65-page guide called the Dilemma Manual. The purpose of the Dilemma Manual is to help you 
make a decision on whether you should keep or leave that guy. Through anecdotes and anonymized stories that women have sent to me, I share long responses and analysis of those women's problems or dilemmas. And through my analyses, my intention is to help you make a decision on a situation that might be identical or similar to what you're reading about. So I've got some stories on there like, oh, my best friend is jealous of me because I started dating rich men. Or <laughs> another one of, um, should I fuck my tattoo artist? <laughs> Aside from the 65 page guide called the Dilemma Manual, which by the way, it's free for those who are subscribed to my Patreon and it's not available anywhere else. Unlike my ebook, Patriarchy's Worst Nightmare, Volume 1, which is available for £10 on patriarchysworstnightmare.com. That's not on the Patreon, but if it's available to buy on the Patreon if you want to for £10. So to make that clear, the 65-page guide called The Dilemma Manual is free for those who are subscribed to my Patreon. Another feature on my Patreon is I upload full-length exclusive podcast episodes that to me just felt like this is great but I don't want to put this on the main podcast feed either because it's too revealing or exposing or there's there's certain levels of tea that the mandem don't need to be known about like yeah I've always said that I don't care if men are seeing what I'm talking about on my podcast because they're not even men that I would date but there's still things that like they don't need to know everything okay because when they're having their locker room talk, they don't be giving us a live stream, do they? No, exactly. So you get to enjoy exclusive bonus episodes of the Slum Flower Hour. Not only do you get to enjoy that, you also get to experience the joy of streaming twice a month mini episodes by me, which are essentially thought streams in response to things that you guys have been talking about, maybe in the group chat, which is in the Patreon. The group chat is fire, by the way. I try to not intervene. Like, I just be letting you guys do what you're doing because it's hilarious. But once in a while, I'll see something and I'll just have to say something, not because of any kind of like negative reason, but just because I feel like it might help if I chimed in. But once in a while, I might see something in the group chat and I'll be like, okay, you know what? This seems to be a pressing enough issue. Let me make a mini thought stream episode on this. So that goes on my Patreon twice a month. You get to enjoy that. Yes. Also, you get to enjoy voting power, meaning you can vote for what podcast episode will be out next on the main podcast feed that everyone gets to listen to. So even if your friends aren't part of the Patreon, you can at least get to say that you had influence in the next episode that came out and you guys can discuss that together outside of the Patreon because it's publicly accessible on the main podcast feed as the episode that you guys have voted for. So having voting power matters because I do value what you guys say. And even before I started the Patreon, a lot of the episodes that I would make would be inspired by the most common messages I'd get in my DMs. Oh, which, by the way, you're welcome to keep on sending me DMs. I don't necessarily respond to all of them personally because some of them can be either repetitive or I just feel like from the way the person has phrased the message, they're not even in a place where they are ready to act on the insights I'm going to share with them. <laughs> 
So if you are curious about my Patreon, why not sign up at patreon.com slash the slumflower? Yes, I have a one-tiered system. And that one tier is called, you guessed it, the disobedient deviants. Yes. <laughs> For £10 a month, you get to enjoy all of that. So you get a 65-page guide on whether to keep or leave that guy. You get to enjoy bonus full-length podcast episodes that don't go anywhere else. You also get access to past live show audio recordings that I've done at private events. You get twice a month mini episodes, which are thought streams inspired by situations you guys have been asking me about. You get voting power on what episodes I'll be releasing on the Slumflower Hour podcast. You have access to a buzzing group chat full of women who are giving each other pointers and tips and encouragement on their journey of bettering themselves and experiencing better dating. I feel like that sounds like quite the bundle. Wouldn't you agree? If you agree, why not join me at patreon.com slash the slumflower? And even if you don't feel ready to do so, I appreciate you being here on the Slumflower Hour podcast. Now let's get back into this conversation of accepting generosity from men. Because at the beginning of this episode, I touched on one of the fears that I come across often when I interact with women who want to date better and have much more substantial experiences with the men that they are attracted to. The main fear being, well, what am I going to have to do in return? That question is really annoying, guys, because it implies that you have to do anything. What do you mean? What do you mean, what am I going to have to do in return? Nothing. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Do you know that? That is not brown, groundbreaking or controversial in any way, even though I know it will be received in that way. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Okay? I really find it annoying when people are like, oh, but um, if he gives me money, then what am I going to have to give him in return? Because that question is implying that you think you have to give him sex in return. There's a lot to unpick and unpack in that line of thinking when we discuss when we're going to have to give him in return. Where do we fucking start? Because one of the things that stands out to me is the idea that you give men sex. You don't give men sex, you give men sexual access. Sex is a co-created experience. So you're not giving him sex. You're just giving him access to the chamber of sexy strangulation, okay? Also, why do you think that sex is the most valuable thing you can give a man? Because your perception of him giving you money is that he's always giving you his hard-earned money. First of all, if a man's money is hard-earned, I don't want it. Because it's usually those men who are the ones who are going to stalk you and give you a hard time and you'll regret taking that 40 pounds. <laughs> what I mean is like, there are men who their money isn't hard earned. Their money is earned, but it's not hard for them to get that money. And that's why it's easier for them to be generous. 
because as they are giving, it's coming back in. From whether it's their multiple streams of income or their investments exponentially growing, whatever it is, they can afford to be generous. They're not pressed. They're not bothered. They don't need you to give them anything back. If you want to be giving and generous to a man, this is how I express generosity to a man. And I'm being serious. This is not sarcasm, yeah? My way of being generous to a man is genuinely, like, allowing him access to my company. Like, you know, you get to experience being around me. What a joy to be on the acid trip that is spending time with me. You're not going to make me do anything. All the times that I, in all of my history of collecting money from men, and all those scenarios have been unique in their own way, I've never given the man anything in return. This is not an exchange. This is a collection. Give me that, give me that cash. <laughs> no, I'm being serious though. Like there have been times when, when I was younger, I want to say I was like maybe 20, 24, just turned 24. I don't know who I thought I was, but I was clearly that bitch. When, when guys would, would like my pictures on Instagram and then send me messages being thirsty, I would just turn them into pay pigs. So pay pigs are men who you just use them for money online and you don't meet them. You don't give them your details to con contact you outside of wherever you guys are engaging with each other online. And they love it. They love being pay pigs. They're not victimized. They're not, they're not being abused. They're the ones who approached you. And then when you said what you wanted, they were happy to fulfill it and asked you if you need anything else. Like, that was what I was doing at 24. So when I'd newly moved into my flat that I now live in, I made an Amazon wish list. And on that wish list, I put some pots and pans, kitchenware, things that were actually needed for me. And there was a few guys who, you know, one guy maybe bought two things, another guy bought one thing, and then one guy, he bought everything, including the Tom Ford perfume that I put on there. Because I just threw the Tom Ford in there just for some extra razzle-dazzle, like, you know, just, you never, you never know. You never know. <laughs> so when I put the Tom Ford and he bought it, I was like, oh, say less. Y'all should have never let me discover this. I loved it. Um, none of those guys asked me to meet them. How dare they? Are you, are you all right? Not if you. None of those guys pressured me to do anything. And I never felt obliged to give them anything in return because they felt happy to be the one even fulfilling that joy for me. It was a very unique and special position to be in as a man who gets to be the one who buys me the Tom Ford. Aren't you lucky? Yes, you are. Other instances where I've taken money from men and given them nothing in return has been... I mean, this one's more obvious, but, like, when I had a guy who I was engaging with and he was a sub, I had him leashed um, at an event that was relevant to him being leashed it was a, a goddess dominatrix event and the thing is every time I talk about this stuff I have to really make it ultra mega clear that like I'm not speaking about any of this from a place of 
romanticizing it or mystifying it or making it sound like this is the only and most glamorous and most exciting way to experience your power as a woman. I'm just sharing it because it's been my experience. It has got elements of feeling powerful as a woman, but it's not the only way to feel powerful as a woman. Anyway, this guy that was leashed, I, um, <laughs> I, I was like, when I, when you giving me money to go home, and then he opened his wallet and he gave me, I think it was like maybe forty pounds. And when he gave me the forty pounds, I saw that there were still more notes in his wallet, and I was like, "What am I gonna?" I I held the 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 bunch of notes of forty pounds, and I was like, "What am I gonna do with this rubbish?" And then he opened his wallet again, and then he gave me what was left in his wallet. I didn't say thank you. I snatched snatched it. I even scratched him as I was snatching it rubbish so i got 80 pounds instead it's like well yeah good nonsense you think i'm about to be like oh because he gave me 80 pounds i need to do something for him no i i allowed him to experience the joy of being able to to give a, a beautiful black woman 80 pounds that's what he gets nonsense i don't have to do anything in return stop feeling like you need to return stuff to men snap out snap out of it because you really don't be hearing men being like, oh, this woman has literally emotionally labored for me and cleaned my whole flat, toilet included. And she's basically my second mother. Hmm. I feel like I need to do something for her in return. Like the most these men do, quote unquote, in return is marry you because they feel like they're doing you a favor by marrying you. Are you going to have that? Personally, I wouldn't have that. You're going you're gonna to accept a man marrying you as him giving in return for all that you've given to him marriage is not a reward marriage is basically a prison if you haven't married correctly and I know this is a very controversial opinion to have but I stand ten toes on it I just think it's very silly to get married without that man being able to financially take care of you because it's not looks you're going to eat and if that man is taking you off what, for lack of a better word, let's call it the market. If that man is taking you off the market, I know someone's going to be like, oh, if you're using the word market, that means that you're objectifying women. Women are not houses to be bought. Anyway, if that man is taking you off the market, i.e. he is cutting off all of your other options of being with a man who could possibly do more for you, he has to make up for that because you could be somewhere in the world, you could be somewhere else. You could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here with him. Hmm? How is that benefiting you? A man marrying you as a gesture of thank you for being my mum. Thank you for building with me. Thank you for staying there through thick and thin. Girl, personally, I wouldn't have that. So the idea of, oh, but what do I need to do in return? This is why I believe you need to snap out of that thinking. And you've got a lot of work to do if you think you owe rich men stuff. You don't owe them shit, bruv. They owe you. They are benefiting from you. They're taking from you. So the sooner you learn how to change the way you perceive yourself and perceive what you have to offer, the better things will be for you because I just don't think that my, my, my pussy is the most interesting thing about me. If I do choose to have sex with a guy, it's not because I'm giving him any anything in return. It's because I felt like having sex with him. 
the real benefit is him being able to have me in his life. And every single man who I have been with, whether things ended on good terms or not, they can all attest to the goodness of being able to have had me in their life. Yes. Yes. There are men who I've fallen out with and they still they still speak highly of me. They still have a lot of respect for me because it's like you're not going to find two of me anywhere. Yes. And the reason why I'm triple ten toes down, sure, you're not going to find another of me is because who is as tapped as me? Eh? Who? Show me that person. <laughs> Ain't nobody doing it how I'm doing it. I'm not even talking about sex. Yeah. I'm just talking about the way that I approach taking up space in the world. You're not going to find another woman who's like that. Yeah, you might find women who are confident, beautiful, talented, funny, intelligent, but you're not going to find somebody who's as tapped as me. So that's why I don't feel like I need to give anything in return. I'm not giving anything. Learn to stop giving and learn to start receiving. You should be receiving. Learn learn to accept help. I get this common sort of... um message from women along the lines of this guy wants to date me and he's got money but I don't know how to ask him for money I don't know how to ask him for gifts I don't know how to ask him for help I think what's important is like gauging what type of person you're dating because there are a lot of men who have money and they're stingy this is why I always say stay away from musicians, stay away from actors, stay away from anybody who is in the entertainment industry front facing. A lot of them, they're paying to play the game. So the money they're making is being funneled back into themselves, paying for PR. Paying, they're just like, when you've come from not having money, which is the case for a lot of creative people, and then you make it big. A lot of them still have that mindset of like fear of losing their money. They would happily spend it, squander their money on drugs where they don't want to give their money to women. Because, oh, I've been, I've been hurt before, I've been used before. There's certain key words you need to listen out for that will tell you if a man is stingy or if a man is likely to not give you any money. We'll get onto stingy in a minute, but one of the ways that you can tell a guy is going to be more reluctant to, to give you any money or support you financially is if he says things like, oh, I've been burned in. Like if he's a rapper, right, and his narrative is constantly like, yeah, man, I just like, fuck these holes. I don't trust these holes. Been been burned in the past. Like, just, just stay away from that because the reality is, like, these guys, they their narrative and their constant anxiety is that women are going to use them. And men don't usually fear being used for sex. They fear being used for money, right? The people who fear being used for sex are women. Men, f- men fear being used for money if they don't have money or if they have an insecure relationship with their money. And that's usually rappers and the creative umbrella of people. Stay away. If he's saying, what oh, I've been used for, f- I've been burnt in the past, bye, I beg. Because he's gonna, he's not gonna give you money. He's just gonna make you feel like you have to jump through hella hoops for little to nothing. That's a waste of your time. Men who are stingy. Again, I think musicians can be very stingy. If you're a, if you're a black woman, specifically a dark-skinned black woman, your confidence has to be top-tier A1 because a lot of these footballers and rappers, yeah, they might be drawn to you, but the reality is most of them like white women 
or light-skinned women. They mainly like mixed-race women. Mixed-race women didn't choose how they were born. This is not directed to them. But colorism still exists, right? So as a woman who is visibly black, dark-skinned, like, I would say... No one's going to mistake me for being mixed race, yeah? Like, I'm on the lighter side of black, but it's very obvious that I'm black. Like, ain't nobody asking me what I'm mixed with. Like, it's giving your mix of jollof and a goosey. It's very obvious. And I'm okay with that. I love that for me. But when it comes to being a woman who has high self-esteem and who prefers to date men who can do something for me, I don't go for footballers because a lot of footballers, it's very low vibrational energy. Like, they're not that intelligent. They had to leave school at, what, 16 to go and kick ball. So there's not really that much up there. I'm not going to lie. They do have life experience, though. Like, everybody has a lived experience. But in terms of being able to have a thought-provoking conversation, the chances are slim if I'm wondering if I'm going to have that with a footballer. Do you know what I mean? Like, really? Musicians, again, a lot of them are fake deep. The irony is a lot of these men will make their music about, oh, shea butter, black woman, coconut oil, love the dark skin, glistening in the sun. Your half row is amazing. But they're still misogynistic and they still see black women as the help to some degree. And if you're a black woman who has high self-esteem, they kind of want to neg you out of that. So negging is when a man kind of like finds ways to chip at your self-esteem without being too overt or obvious about it. So you have to watch out for that. So when I'm saying, like, going for men who are likely to actually want to help you, just don't go for men who are good looking. I know this is awful to hear because a lot of people are still governed by their loins and they think with their eyes. I have given myself the opportunity to get it out of my system from, from early. I've dated good looking men. Yeah. If you see the fine men who are blocked and archived in my WhatsApp, the God who made me. You would say, ah, please pass him to me instead. Like, I'm being serious, guys. Like, it's not that there's nothing there. Like, if you're dating a guy purely for how he looks, think about how fucking silly that is. Let me tell you why it's silly, yeah? Because if we're having the conversation of accepting generosity from men and we're thinking for the long term of our lives and our futures as women, to me, this represents the common hypothetical scenario of presenting a small child, let's say this child is about four years old, you present a small child with two options for them to pick from. A bag of Skittles and a bar of gold, solid gold. What do you think the child is going to pick? The child is going to pick the bag of Skittles because the child likes to lick sweets. But also, the child has no concept of long-term value. The child is four years old. The child is not supposed to have any concept of long-term value because the child ain't even been around for that long. So you can understand why the child would immediately pick the bag of Skittles because they want to eat sweeties and it's colourful and it's that temporary rush of sugar that they're drawn to. The child does not know that what they should really pick is the bar of gold because the bar of gold is an investment and it's worth multitudes more than the Skittles could ever be worth. But the child has no reason to be concerned about money or long-term value of anything. They just want to lick some sweets. Taking this metaphor and pasting it onto an adult woman, the bag of Skittles represents a good-looking man. 
who has nothing else going for him outside of his looks. And the bar of gold represents a man who has money, who's not good looking. Please tell me why most women are still picking the bag of Skittles. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm tired. Like you lot are insufferable. Most women will still be like, yeah, but like I need to be with someone who's sexy. Why? Dare I ask why? Why do you value looks over long term? Because to me, that's a sign of something isn't cognitively developed properly. If you're picking a good looking man who has nothing going for him over a man who might not be good looking, but has enough money and enough generosity for you. But you're, you're declining that man because he doesn't look good. Are you fucking silly? Switch it on! <laughs> Are you fucking... That... Oh. Oh. This is why I find a lot of people who message me insufferable. Because it's like, can you hear yourself? Oh, what should I do? This guy who really likes me. I'm not really that attracted to him, but he wants to take care of me. What should I do? What do you think you should do? Accept the care. And still live your life on your terms. Don't worry. If that man loves you, there's nothing you can do to get rid of him. In terms of, if you think you seeing other people and you doing what you want with your life will get rid of him, you're wrong. That's not going to get rid of him. There's always that option too. But you guys are like, I just want to date a man who's good looking. He can't do nothing for me though, but he's good looking. And he's got a blue tick. Well, this is before, now you can buy blue ticks anywhere. But, you know, back in the day when blue ticks were a thing that were highly coveted and anybody who had a blue tick was a certified Highly revered member of the community. Yes. Like, you guys be falling for these musicians and models every day, B. Stop it. These models are in debt. These musicians owe people money. Yeah? You're not getting any generosity out of these musicians. Yeah, they might buy the odd Balenciaga bag and the Jacquemus here and there, but the reality is they're not trying to pay your bills because they can't afford to pay your bills and their bills and the cost of having a publicist monthly. Do you know how much it costs to have a publicist? That's rent money. It's literally high-rise rent money. I'm talking new build, high-rise. I'm talking 13th floor, new build in the heart of Canary Wharf. That is what you'd be paying the equivalent of rent-wise for a publicist that will get you the placement that you need to level up in your career as a musician. That fee involves a radio plugger or a TV plugger Radio Plugger getting you placement on Radio 1 and the significant radios that will play your music. A TV Plugger who will get you on Jules Holland, Saturday Night Live, all these major television programmes that just have prestige to them that when performers go on there, it just does something for their career. It's like an internal industry thing where it's about building an impression of yourself that makes you look larger than you are. That's what PR is. That's what these people are paying for. So do you think that they're going to be able to pay for you and the lifestyle you want? especially when they're invested in making themselves look larger and more sought after than they are. And they've got egos. Oh my God, musicians have crazy egos. Well, you could just go for the guy who's not even good looking. Yeah. He's got money and he's, he likes you. He ain't gone anywhere. What are you so scared of? Because to me, I gave myself the opportunity and time to date for looks and I saw where that got me. I'm not saying that only a man who isn't good looking can treat you well. 
I'm saying the chances are, if you're with a guy who is not as good looking, he's likely to treat you better because he knows that he's punching well above his class, his weights. Now, I don't mean class in terms of society. I mean class in terms of what he knows he should be rolling around with. Like, if he's not a very good looking guy, but he's got a woman like you who is stunning, he knows that he has to, he has to pay tithes. He knows that he ha- there's a, there's a cost for that, you know, and he's a, and he's okay with that. It's not a transaction. That word is annoying to transactional. Babe, everything in the universe is a transaction, cause and effect. Okay. Everything is a transaction. Friendships are transactional. That's why when your friend ghosts you, the friendship changes because one person isn't holding up to their role in the friendship anymore. Transaction is a word that is holding my people back. You lot are too focused on the wrong things. Stay, forget about the semantics and the language. Focus on how it feels and what you want. If people think that my way of interacting with men is transactional, that's okay. If words help you make better sense of what you're observing, good for you. I don't care though. I know what I want my life to look like. And if it feels fulfilling for me, then great. Job done. But yeah, I don't meddle with men who have too much going for them on the aesthetic side of things because you're going to be playing the game on harder difficulty for no reason. Like if a guy knows that he's good looking and especially when he's young as well, like he can replace you with somebody who is just as good looking and as desperate as you are. But if a man's a little bit older, not not very good, not very nice to look at in your perception, whatever that looks like for you. But he's generous. And you could tell he likes you, because he's the kind of guy that would be like, what do you need? You'd be like, mm. Do you know what would really help me this this month? Like 5k. 5k will put a smile on my face. Just a small 5k. And he'd be like, consider it done. Those are the guys who you should be going for. The guys who ask you, what do you need? Don't go for the guys who you feel like you have to like prepare some sort of like, uh, I don't know how to ask. If you feel like you don't know how to ask, you're the wrong guy. Because if a guy likes you, he will offer. Or even if he doesn't offer, you can test out to see how likely he's going to be to give you money. So, I've probably mentioned this before on this podcast in the past, but I'll bring it up again because it's key context for what we're discussing. If a guy hurts your feelings, you have to charge him for the apology, babe. There's an entrance fee back into my life and there's a premium added because you have got a reputation for being a dickhead. So each time you upset me, that premium goes up even more. Uh So what am I meaning by this? Well, a scenario that happened not too long ago, I was in a club and... um, a guy groped my bum when I was dancing near him. I wasn't dancing on him, but he was trying to chat me up and I was semi-ignoring him, semi-engaging. When I was ignoring him, I was dancing to the music and enjoying it. And you know, I'm a very good dancer. So he touched my bum. I got upset, pushed him and I removed myself from his immediate environment and stood near the bouncer and still was dancing while my friend, she was de-escalating the situation. And she was saying to him that Chidera only accepts apologies in cash. So he handed my friend a pile of cash to give me. And that was that. I accepted his apology. He was drunk anyway. And he probably did Molly or something. Because he just was acting weird. But I accepted the apology. Hey, you've given me cash. Yeah, it's okay. Like, 
me accepting your apology doesn't mean that it was okay. It's just, okay, I acknowledge you that you're sorry. Give me that cash. So if you want to test to see if a guy is likely to give you money or is likely to understand the importance of giving you money, when he upsets you, charge him money. Obviously, this is this has to be based on whether the situation warrants that. It's not everything he does that you're going to be like, I need money for that now because you upset me. Like It's like, you know, let things build up a bit and, and see where you have more leverage to be like, you know, you've done so much to upset me that I just don't know if I can look at you the same. So it's going to take a lot for me to accept this forgiveness. Sorry, it's going to take a lot for me to accept this apology of yours. And by a lot, we're looking at maybe two grand for the emotional offences caused. If you can't run me that two grand, then let's just consider ourselves strangers. Yeah? <laughs> Fuck around and find out. Next thing you know, you've got two grand in your account, depending on whether he can afford to. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have to pick wisely. Don't pick guys who are struggling and who are building themselves, especially the musicians, and then expect two grand for them to say sorry. You, they might give you that two grand, but it'll take a while when you could just go for a guy who he's got money to, he's just, he's got money. You have to psychologically get him into a place where he feels like he has to give you that money. The more he gives you money, the more he's going to understand that, yes, I need to give this woman money because she's a queen. Because I like making her life easier. Because money makes your life easier. I've never met a person who's like, I don't like, I don't want, no. Keep the money away from me. I don't want any money. I do not, I do not want to pay rise. No. I like clocking in. No. <laughs> like I've never, people be acting so falsely morally righteous when it comes to money because people are, un are uncomfortable with declaring that they like money. Like that's your problem though. I, I'm not here to change your mind on that. What I'm here to do is encourage you to view yourself at a higher octave and frequency. And aside from the Slumflower po Hour podcast, <laughs> another way that I enjoy encouraging you to view yourself at a higher level of who you are is through my new book coming out November 2nd called Pocket Power from the Slumflower. Yes. <laughs> Pocket Power from the Slumflower is a pocket-sized book. I say pocket-sized, but it'll probably fit into a mini Telfar. Pocket-sized, <laughs> pocket-sized. Pocket Power from the Slum Flower is a quote book that I created for scenarios where you just need to quickly get yourself to the point that you need to get to, which is feeling higher about yourself. The instance that I just constantly imagined this book being used in when I was writing this quote book was... You're on your way to a date, you're on the bus, you're on the train, you're in the Uber. For some reason, a thought pops into your mind where you start to feel doubt about yourself. You start to be like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, is this guy going to like me? Am I his type? Am I pretty enough? I don't know what to say. I feel like I might, I might mess up on this date. Stop that. Go to your handbag. Open pocket power from the slump flower. And I want you to pick it up at a random page. <laughs> and I want you to read a quote. I've actually opened it at a random page. So I'm going to read the quotes that I've randomly opened it on. In an age where finding the one 
is strategically marketed by companies profiting off our loneliness as the ultimate solution to global depression. Have you ever considered that your desperation might be repelling the men who are actually meant for you? I'll let you digest that thought while you look at this book. If you're, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube or on Spotify video podcasts, I'm going to let you look at this cover while you ponder on that thought I just shared with you. If you are listening from your audio streaming platform, I will also still implore you to ponder on what I just said. Because desperation does repel what you want. And ironically, that ties in with what we're talking about today when it comes to accepting generosity from men. Desperation. Men can sense desperation. If you're desperate, you can even, even the ones who are not good looking and are generous, they will be put off by you because they can tell that you're easily got. They just know how to get you. You, don't, you, don't, you should not be easily got, okay? You're a queen, you're the prize. So men should work to earn your trust and it should be a pleasurable journey for them because for a man, nothing feels better than him being able to start slowly understanding and unraveling layers of a woman who he really fancies but sees as this enigma. It's a beautiful feeling. So men, men enjoy it. Let them work for it. If you are interested in Pocket Power from the Slum Flower, it will be available in all good bookstores around the world. Yes, including Barnes and Nobles, Foils, Waterstones, and if you're an online shopping babe, Amazon. Pocket Power from the Slum Flower will be out November 2nd in the UK and November 9th in the US. So what are you waiting for? Get your copy. And even if you don't get a copy, I appreciate you being a supporter of me through my podcast, through my Patreon, through my social media. It truly means a lot because... I understand that I occupy a very unique position in the world as an outspoken woman. And it's not about being outspoken for the sake of just being controversial and riling people up. It's about being outspoken from a place of genuinely encouraging women to live better and hopefully longer lives. Because sometimes women die as a result of the men that they pick. And it's a really, really hard thing to live with and to sit with. So as we ease back into this conversation of accepting generosity from men, I always want to make it clear that my work is from a place of loving women and wanting to see better for women. That's what I've given my life to. That sounds really dramatic, but <laughs> that's what it feels like. I feel like this is my life's work. Like One thing about me, I've kept it consistent. I've consistently been on the same wavelength and I'm glad that the real ones know. But like I was saying, when it comes to desperation, as I read in Pocket Power from the Slum Flower, desperation can repel every and any kind of man. So if you are in a place where you want to start accepting generosity from men, it matters to start behaving like you're used to this, even if you're not. Because that's the opposite of desperation. If men can sense that you're desperate, they take advantage of you. And I'm not saying this to victim blame. Because sometimes I find it really annoying. People are like, this is victim blaming. Why are you even accepting the position of victim? Mm? No, no, you've labelled yourself victim from a hypothetical statement. Why does it have to be victim blaming? Where There was no blame in this. I'm saying that when you are moving through the world in a particular way, men observe that. And that 
is what they use to determine what kind of treatment they'll give you. So if men observe desperation and fear, they will 100% take advantage of that. The only men who will not take, take advantage of that are men who are just on their own accord, genuinely good people. And you're, you're rarely going to find that, okay? And I don't think you should be treating your life like a fucking dice toss and just hoping for the best. There has to be active involvement on your part. So before I wrap up this episode, I just want to remind you that there are many ways to explore the concept of preparing yourself to accept generosity. Like I said earlier in this podcast, when a guy holds the door open for you, there's no need to run. Carry on walking as you were. Granted that the scenario you're in is not a situation where you're both in a hurry. Yeah, there's there's nuance and there's a time and a place, but it's about when it feels right, practice that feeling. Yes, it will feel intense. Practice that feeling of walking like you're worthy. Okay? If you're someone who's autistic and you struggle with eye contact, this is something that I... Um, I'm not autistic, but I'm neurodivergent. I don't have an official diagnosis, but I know that I something is something is something is ajar. You know, <laughs> I used to have issues of eye contact. Yeah. So what I did to get myself better at eye contact, and why eye contact has come up before I wrap this up, is because eye contact also shows confidence. This is not going to sound very nice. I'm not saying you should do this all the time, innit? Yeah. But sometimes the way that I used to desensitize myself from my fear of eye contact would be when I'm sat on the train and I only do this to white people. But when I'm sat on the train and I make eye contact accidentally with a white person, I just hold the eye contacts and I don't blink. <laughs> because... <laughs> Given the history of the violence that black people have had to endure at the hands of white people, I think a little scary eye contact isn't going to bite, is it? And they only find it scary because the only people who can hold eye contact without blinking are sociopaths and serial killers, guys. Like, that's what society tells us anyway. I'm not saying that I'm out on the fucking DLR every single day doing this, glaring my eyes at people. But once in a while, if I clash eyes with someone... I just keep my eyes there and I sit through the discomfort until one of us breaks. And I, w I normally wait for them to break. Then once they've broken, that's when I just move my eye. And I'm like, okay, oh, I did it. Wow, I didn't die. Oh my God. <laughs> now I'm much better at it because it's a confidence thing. But why that's useful is because if you're on a date with someone or if you've met someone newly, being able to hold eye contact shows confidence without you having to say, I am confident without you having to even speak much about yourself. Your ability to hold eye contact shows a level of comfort in your body. And that's a silent way of communicating that <laughs> you ain't new to this, you're true to this, okay? Before we wrap up this episode, remember another pointer that I gave was when men are offering you generosity, don't feel like you have to give them anything in return. Do you think a queen is sat on her throne scrambling on on oh no what do i give what do i give in return for all these gifts i've been given for being so iconic and beautiful do you think a goddess is worried about returning all the offerings that have been laid at her feet hmm if we're going to be using terms like queen and goddess to address ourselves let's not appropriate it let's actually appropriately apply it to ourselves so if you're going to be a goddess 
goddesses receive offerings. Obviously, you don't have to tell men that you expect offerings from them, but you can view what they do for you as offerings and you can decide when it's enough. You get to call the shots. This is about calling the shots. This is about slowing down. This is about not being in a hurry. So if you've enjoyed this episode, thank you so much. I would appreciate it if you left a five-star rating on whatever streaming platform you're listening on because it helps boost the podcast, which gets the podcast to more women. And when more women are exposed to ideas of this nature, we feel less shame to uphold them. And it means that the more of us who behave like this, then in essence, the more men will have no choice but to rise up because nobody else is accepting their dumb bottom barrel behavior. So this is a community effort here. And I appreciate the role you're playing. Even if you're just listening, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you either on the next episode of the Slumflower Hour podcast or over on patreon.com slash the slumflower.